Hello, and welcome to Elder Health Connection, a podcast where I gather innovators in elder health care to discuss their unique perspectives on caregiving and care receiving. My name is Caroline Morris, and I use my combined experience in biochemistry, physical therapy, health coaching, and growing up next door to my grandparents to dig deep into the complexities of aging and then draw out practical solutions that can fit into your life. I record this show from my home in Alexandria, Virginia, sometimes with the input from my dogs, Benny and Barry. Thank you for joining us today. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Elder Health Connection, where we are talking about my top tips or navigating the healthcare system. Now, some of them may be familiar to you and some I think will be new to you with my perspective on how to best navigate the healthcare system. Navigating the healthcare system is one of the key features of the season of life where either we are having more health events ourselves and needing to engage with the healthcare system more frequently or a season of life where we are caring for someone or related to someone who is engaging with the health system more routinely and it can take up a lot of time it can take up a lot of energy um, both physical energy but also the mental emotional energy related to trying to find answers for the problem at hand, trying to figure out who's the best person to go to and when, managing multiple appointments, managing insurance and payers. So it's really very involved. And as many of you know, it's just not simple here in the United States. A while ago, I was doing some coaching work and mutual coaching work. We were helping each other out with a a friend who lived in the UK and was from Southeast Asia. And I was describing something about insurance here. And she just asked me point blank, like, does it cover anything? <laughs> does it work at all being used to more socialized healthcare and it's different it's complicated here so there's a lot of work that's put on us as the patient or the family member engaging in the system to to get a good result so there's no way we can go into all of the detail today but i did want to focus on a few things that you can directly control and that are things that we talk about within my coaching program as well for caregivers and things that come up when I work with older adults. So the first thing that I think is actually the most important, but I don't hear talked about very often is compassion. I think that's actually one of the keys to successfully navigating the healthcare system. And it's both compassion for yourself and compassion for the healthcare workers and providers you're engaging with. So how does that play out? When we're talking about compassion for yourself, 
I think recognizing that being overwhelmed is normal when you're faced with a health condition or a loved one with a health condition, both in terms of wondering how it's going to play out. Well, this person or myself get better or not? What is the treatment going to look like? What is the cost going to look like? Both financial cost and opportunity cost of now spending all of this time in medical care and time not spent elsewhere. So just having that moment of self-compassion, allowing yourself to feel these different emotions that come up for you, knowing that it's normal just to be frustrated or afraid as you're going through this experience. Also, compassion for yourself if you're just not the best at navigating this. So sometimes it's just not in our innate skill set to handle all aspects of healthcare. So some people are quite good at the organization aspect of having medications managed, having appointments set up and coordinated. For some of us, that skill is not strong. Others may be better at asking the right questions and making the most of the appointment time. Some others of us might freeze or not know what to ask during the appointments. And some are better with the having the hard conversations as those come up in terms of end of life planning, planning for a condition that will is not expected to improve. And again, others have a hard time with that. So I think, again, having compassion for yourself, knowing that it's really not realistic for you to be already strong in all aspects of care as you start engaging with the system. One book that I often recommend for thinking about all the different roles that it takes to be someone going through a major health condition and for the people around that person is called Cancer Chameleon. It is by Andrew Trice. And it's written in the context for someone going through a cancer diagnosis. The author himself had pancreatic cancer. And he also had a background um, in systems engineering, I believe it was. So he outlines nine different roles for the team of being the patient and the family or support system going through a diagnosis and how we can delegate those roles and it works best if we assign them to people who are more naturally suited for them and i think that's a great act of self-compassion to be able to recognize that you probably aren't good at every role and ask for help from people who aren't good at those roles and just to take some of that energy drain off of you by delegating and accepting help from other people. So for example, one of the roles is the publicist. 
So this would be someone who shares news and updates about the condition, the health condition of the person undergoing it. So this is something that I'm not naturally suited for. I don't, I tend to be more private. I don't enjoy engaging a lot of people all at once. I am very introverted. Just sharing like that isn't appealing to me. But for somebody else, they could be quite good at that. And when they're looking for ways to help, you know, maybe they're not appropriate to go to every appointment with you, but they could be very good at being a publicist and just getting word around. So anyway, it's a book I highly recommend for kind of big picture thought about, you know, what roles am I willing to take on as I navigate and engage with the system and diagnosis and what can I delegate to others. The other key component of compassion in navigating the healthcare system is compassion for the people you who are working within the system. And this is something that has become more apparent for me over the years, the longer that I've worked in healthcare. I used to think it was the responsibility for us as healthcare providers to fill ourselves up and not rely on the compassion of our patients or their family members and to provide the same high quality care for everyone, regardless of how we were treated. And while I still believe that's true, the longer I have worked, the more I've realized that it's just so much easier to provide good care when the person I'm caring for is kind, is compassionate, is not channeling all of their upset onto me. Now, I do understand why that happens sometimes, and sometimes it is warranted to express frustration and discontent. But what I'm getting at here is that you will often elicit care, better care for you probably unconsciously, if you're just kind and compassionate towards the people working for you and recognizing that they're busy, they're tired. Cost in healthcare is a big factor, but when you're engaging with most of these workers in healthcare, a lot of them are in debt. So while you may be paying a lot for the treatment, it doesn't necessarily mean that the person providing the treatment is just living a life of luxury. I think in large, that's a thing of the past right now that physicians lead luxurious, luxurious lives. Many of them, especially the newer ones, have, have quite a bit of debt to them as well. Um, so like I said, the kind of the moral of the story is to meet them with compassion. And that's different from, you know, accepting poor care or making excuses for them if things aren't delivered as they should. It's just kind of meeting them with that shared humanity, empathy approach. I found you often get a lot farther than meeting someone in a more resistant or 
thinking that we're very different from each other approach. Some other very practical tips and approaches for navigating the healthcare system to manage your energy, mainly a lot of this is kind of mental energy, minimizing some of the overwhelm, the confusion, feeling unprepared, feeling caught off guard. These are tips more directed towards those topics. And one is to keep a notebook with you or some sort of centralized note-taking system, especially if you're going to a lot of appointments or it's a very important appointment with a lot of information so that you can write down what you're hearing from your provider at the time. Now, a lot of providers and appointments or hospitals, if you're in the hospital, do give printed written discharge instructions, but I find that still bringing a notebook and taking your own notes can be more helpful. One, because the act of writing it is a form of learning and ensuring you've understood the material. Two, the printed discharge instructions now are often coming from centralized systems. So the person providing you the education likely was not the person who wrote those instructions. So there may be slight variances in the information. The instructions may be very, very long and hard to get through. So just writing the notes based on what the person told you can be quite helpful. And again, having them all in one place and easily accessible is useful too when you're talking with multiple people, perhaps multiple specialists, where you can flip back and reference notes from a previous appointment to help inform a current one. Related to taking notes, I also recommend writing your questions in advance. And this can be really helpful if you're like me and kind of freeze when you've gotten through the whole intake and physical exam and then they ask you if they have if you have any questions and I often will kind of blank and say no and then meanwhile before and after I've thought of dozens of questions for my provider so writing in them in advance can help give you that structure so that you don't forget what you wanted to ask Something I've encountered recently too, if you're in a course of care where you're having regular appointments, regular check-ins with a physician, a therapist, a nurse practitioner, a PA, whoever you're seeing, and there's a patient portal option or they've given you email access to actually go ahead and send those questions ahead of the appointment. And then it gives that provider time to prepare responses for you. And it ends up, if they're, they're set up for it, it ends up working quite well to have a well thought out conversation with 
giving meaningful answers to your questions because sometimes, and I've been in this position as the patient and the provider asking questions on the spot can lead to some off the cuff answers that often are, are correct, but upon additional consideration, you know, maybe a different answer is warranted. So it can be helpful to give the person time to think about your question ahead of time. Another tip I have is in regards to a medication list. So if you've, if you've been to appointments, if you've been looking into these topics of navigating healthcare, having a prepared medication list probably isn't news to you as something that will save you a lot of time and energy. It will be asked for at almost every appointment. The common things asked for are the name of the medication, the dose, so how much of it are you taking, the frequency, so how many times per day or per week are you taking the medication, and that's most of what is asked for. Now, there are a few things that you could add that I think will really help you get further with the intention of people asking for your medication. So a lot of it is to understand what you're taking to prevent interactions, look at drug effects. Often for me as a physical therapist, I'm not prescribing medications. I'm not taking people off their medications. I'm not really doing anything with that. But when I read someone's medication list, I often get an insight into what conditions they have. So if they forget to tell me some aspect of their past medical history, I can usually figure it out from what medications they're taking. And that's not always foolproof, though, because sometimes a medication is prescribed for a reason other than its typical use. So here's my big tip with the medication list is that you also include the person who prescribed it. So which physician it was who prescribed it and what they prescribed it for. And what this will do is help you when you have multiple physicians prescribing different medications to give you a more informed stance when you're at your appointments and physician A is asking you why physician B prescribed a certain medication. You can speak to it and it it's always good for you to know why you're taking these medications too, and it can help you engage in conversations about adjusting them or even reducing them if you happen to get healthier. Another tip I have for managing that mental energy as well is to use the patient portal. So pretty much every provider now uses an electronic medical record that has a patient portal attached to it. So making sure you have access to it, you know your password to it, you can get into it routinely can help a lot with 
Again, the medication list will be stored in there, discharge instructions, billing information's all in there. It can give you a centralized place. And my big recommendation with regard to the patient portal, if it has this feature, is to be able to give access to someone you designate as being worthy of that access or who you're delegating some responsibility to so that the person perhaps scheduling your appointments has access to the portal or people following through on the recommendations have access, the people helping you with your bill pay have access that can just clean up a lot of communication breakdowns. And many of these portals now, it's not like you just have to give your username and password to someone else. That other person can have their own username and password and be granted access to the account. And it can really just clean up a lot of unknowns, a lot of confusion when we are seeking help or we're the ones caring for someone else. So this is nowhere near an exhaustive list in how to navigate the complexities of healthcare, but I thought I would just get you started with some tips for compassion for yourself and for others and for putting some systems and processes in place to help manage your mental energy, your emotional energy in working through this complex, complex system, taxing, at times taxing endeavor. If it's helpful for you to understand why and how U.S. healthcare got to where it is, I would recommend the book called An American Sickness by Elizabeth Rosenthal. It gives a nice historical account of how things got to be where they were. I found it fascinating, but also overwhelming to read myself. So I, I have not finished it yet, but I do find having context for why things are the way they are helps me again to have more compassion for the people I'm engaging with and context so that I can manage my expectations. The other book I recommended earlier is called Cancer Chameleon by Andrew Trice, which helps more in the role delegation aspects of navigating healthcare. I will have both of those books in the show notes for you to reference. I hope you found this episode helpful. Please let me know in the comments or in an email what tips you have for navigating healthcare and we'll feature them on a future episode. If you are feeling particularly lost or overwhelmed right now and you're ready to get a little coaching or assistance in topics like navigating healthcare and managing your own energy during this time, during this season of life, please go ahead and schedule an intro call with me. I'd love to talk through some of these things with you and help you get your energy back. Thank you so much for joining me 
today and take care and have compassion for yourself. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and does not create a provider-patient relationship between us. If you have questions about your health, please speak to a qualified health professional. If you would like to learn more about working with me as your qualified health professional, please visit carolinemorris.com. Did you know that gratitude is good for your health? If you found value in this episode, please share it with a friend and leave a rating or review. To keep the connection going, subscribe to Elder Health Connection on your favorite podcast player to get immediate access to upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening. With love and gratitude, Caroline.